The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome. You have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day and welcome to the Genesis Zone show. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Thank you for taking time out of your busy, busy schedule to join us today. So last week, I laid out for you some very recent research on psilocybin and answered two questions. Is psilocybin the miracle depression treatment that it's hailed to be? And number two, is it controversial? And if so, why? Today, I'll be exploring the topic of psilocybin even deeper. We'll look at further evidence of its positive epigenetic impact on the brain, and we'll see how it compares to one of the most popular antidepressants ever created. Now, before we dive into today's subject of psilocybin versus antidepressants, I want to share an epigenetic nugget with you regarding psilocybin. Researchers at the University of Copenhagen recently published their findings in the journal European Neuropsychopharmacology. That's kind of a mouthful, right? Uh, But they wanted to build upon other recent research and try to figure out the mechanism by which psilocybin results in profound, lasting neurocognitive effects after one dose. You may recall me talking about uh, this in last week's episode. If not, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Uh, Anyway, these researchers monitored 19 genes that they suspected could be responsible for this prolonged beneficial effect. But they were surprised to find that only three of the genes were positively involved in this whole process. What was even more surprising was the fact that these three genes were immune-related in their function. Now, previous research had established that psilocybin truly activated the serotonin 2A receptor, which is known for its potent neuroinflammation neuroinflammation regulatory properties. But the causes or the mechanism by which that happened was not understood until Dr. Knudsen and his team at the University of Copenhagen made their recent discovery of these three genes. So at this point, researchers hypothesize that at least in part, psilocybin seems to get its profound lasting positive clinical effect from epigenetic modification of these three immune-related genes in the prefrontal cortex, especially when treating depression. And I know you've heard me say this a million times. Immune function is synonymous with inflammation function. Hear that again. Immune function is synonymous with inflammation function. They are one and the same. Now, on to today's topic. Talk about things coming full circle. If you've been hanging around me very long, you know that I started practicing traditional psychiatry nearly 24 years ago. I began practice in the era where new treatments were emerging left and right as psychiatry was moving out of the proverbial dark ages of lobotomies, institutionalization, and electric shock therapy. They called this the decade of the brain. 
I was fortunate to be hired into a large cutting edge practice straight out of training in this decade. We were one of a handful of practices to participate in the early launch of a new drug called Celexa, also known as Citalopram these days. Previously, it would take six to 12 weeks to see any kind of meaningful clinical improvement in depression symptoms, even with the newest antidepressants like Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft. But when Celexa came along, we were seeing significant improvement in depression symptoms as early as one to two weeks. This was huge for the industry and even bigger for patients as as relief was more immediate. Within a few short years, the company that made Celexa discovered after the fact that 50% of the molecule that made up Celexa was inactive and therefore it competed with itself for places to bind at the serotonin receptor. So the big pharma scientists engineered a new molecule that removed that inactive side of, of, the, of, of, the, com- of the compound and replaced it with a mirror image of the active side. What this did was it made the compound four times more potent than the first compound. This was another huge breakthrough. This new drug was called Lexapro, also known as S-citalopram. Now, why am I taking you on this beautiful stroll down memory lane? Uh, Great question. Because this new drug, Lexapro, being four times more potent than its cousin, Celexa, had now become the new gold standard by which all other antidepressants are compared. And it remains so until this day, which leads us to today's topic. This particular study was the first of its kind comparing an antidepressant to the effectiveness of psilocybin for the treatment of depression. It was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in April of this year. Now, when you read the title, The Trial of Psilocybin versus Escitalopram for Depression, aka Lexapro, it's easy to get excited. I mean, that's an exciting title if you're a, if you're a, a psychopharmacology nerd like myself. But that is, it's easy to get excited until you read the researchers' opening summary statement. And here's what they said. This trial did not show a significant difference in antidepressant effects between psilocybin and escitalopram. Sounds kind of lofty and, you know, we didn't really see much of a difference. Well, that sounds kind of hopeless, right? Well, maybe not terribly so. They tried to make out like um, both psilocybin and Lexapro or escitalopram were equally effective. And that's it. No, no big finding here. They're just equally effective. Well, I mean, if you want to play devil's advocate, you could really chalk this up as a huge win for psilocybin and a loss for big pharma. But you should never trust a summary of a peer-reviewed article. More often than not, you have to go mining for the gold nuggets in a study. In this case, 
it paid off in a big, big way. So let's dive into it and let's find these nuggets. Let's talk about the design of the study because it's really important. I don't want to bore you with details, but this is really important. There were 59 patients that were enrolled in the study. 30 of them were assigned to the psilocybin group and 29 of them assigned to the escitalopram or Lexapro group. Now, the psilocybin group only received two doses of psilocybin in the whole six weeks of the study. They received psilocybin dose 25 milligrams on day one of the study, and they see, received psilocybin dose 25 milligrams on day 21 of the study, so three weeks apart. The escitalopram group received a daily dose of 10 milligrams escitalopram or Lexapro on days one through 21, and get this, on day 22, they doubled the dose to 20 milligrams and they remained on that for the next 21 days or three weeks. So there were three weeks on 10 milligrams a day, and then they were three weeks on 20 milligrams a day. Now, if you remember what I said just a second ago, Lexapro is four times more potent than citalopram. Citalopram had become the new gold standard by which everything was measured. Then they realized, oh my gosh, it's got this inactive arm. We're going to remove that and make it all active. And it became four times more potent. And then we have a new gold standard by which everything's measured. And that's been the gold standard until this day. Four times more potent. Effectiveness as early as weeks one and two with this medication. And they're measuring a daily dose for six weeks compared to psilocybin only having two doses. And this is where it gets really interesting. When depression scales were administered throughout the study over the course of the six weeks, Contrary to what the researchers said in their opening summary paragraph, this is what the researchers actually found. In other words, here are the gold nuggets. Now, response as measured by any form of positive clinical response in reduction of depression symptoms. Response at six weeks occurred in 21 patients, okay, in the psilocybin group. That's 70%. So 70% of the psilocybin group by the end of the six weeks had had a positive clinical response in their depression symptoms. Only 48% of the escitalopram or Lexapro group had a positive clinical response. That is a huge difference. Get this. Here's the next thing they found. Remission at six weeks occurred in 57% of the psilocybin group compared to 28% of the Lexapro or escitalopram group. And this is a quote. This, is, this, this next quote is straight out of the text from the study. Other secondary measures of depression, which in parentheses is changes from baseline at week six in the score on back depression inventory, Hamilton Depression Scales, and Montgomery Asperg Depression Rating Scales, end parentheses, based on the scores from other scales, mostly favored psilocybin over escitalopram. Wait a minute. Let me read that without the parentheses, knowing that they used other measurement scales, secondary measures. Other secondary measures of depression, based on the scores from these scales, mostly favored psilocybin over escitalopram. So they used a completely different scale in the beginning of the study 
to measure throughout, but they also use these secondary measures. In the beginning of the study, I just told you that 57% of the psilocybin group had a positive clinical, had, were in remission by week six, 20, compared to 28% of the acetylopram group. And 70% of the, of the psilocybin group had a good clinical response by the end of week six, compared to 48% of the acetylopram group. And then we see that, oh, by the way, we did all of these other measurements and used all these other tools. And guess what? The results favored psilocybin every time and those as well. So, hmm, you have to ask the question, why did they open the statement in the summary paragraph that was stating that there was no difference and then flip the script and later say that psilocybin outperformed the gold standard of all antidepressants? Well, I have to be honest with you. I can't say for sure what they were thinking. I'm not in their head. But maybe it was an honest oversight, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe escitalopram or Lexapro, being the golden child of the big pharma industry, had to have its reputation saved. I mean, think about it. How embarrassing is it that 42 days worth of the latest and greatest wonder drug for depression treatment, has been so for decades, gets unseated by two doses of something that's organic and natural called psilocybin. Now, I'm just throwing this out there as a possibility. I'd love to know your thoughts on the matter. And what do you think? Where do you think this lands? Why do you think there was the discrepancy there? We can only guess, but I mean, it, it looks awfully odd that psilocybin showed that was better on all measures than escitalopram with just two doses. And, and then they flip the script and at the beginning and say, oh, they were just equal. Well, that's all I've got for today. If you or someone you know is struggling with depression and, God forbid, thinking of suicide, I encourage you on their behalf to reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 and talk to a counselor. If you're curious about the Genesis Own Advantage method and how it can help you get out of the depression hamster wheel, or you want to know more about how epigenetics is the ultimate biohacking tool that can help optimize your biohacking journey, I've created a five-day boot camp called the Gene Hack Boot Camp, and I'd love to invite you to join that. Go to drbriangbrown.com forward slash Gene Hack forward slash bootcamp. Tune in next Thursday at, at, at noon Eastern Standard Time, where next Thursday, because it is holiday here in the United States, it's Thanksgiving weekend. It's going to be a pre-recorded segment. I'm just going to be honest with you. But I promise you, you, you won't want to miss it. It's going to deliver equally as much as the live show does. And then the next week, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to be on vacation and I'm going to be out of town. So it'll be another pre-recorded segment. So for the next two weeks, it's going to be a pre-recorded segment, but I'll be sharing the latest research and my insights about that research as it relates to epigenetics and optimizing your physical and, and emotional wellness journey. Most informed, most trusted, and most grateful that you spent this time with us today. Until next time, stay in the zone. I'm Dr. Brian Brown.